Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Jimmy Tingle Show. I am Jimmy, and I want to introduce you to a new segment of our show, the Meet the Candidate series. It is intended to give candidates running for public office a platform and a voice. So voters know who is running for office, why they're running, and what they hope to accomplish if they are so fortunate to be elected. So please feel free to share these interviews with your family and friends and citizens around this fine land, because an educated and informed population is essential for a healthy democracy. And isn't that what we all really want? A healthy democracy? Enjoy the interviews. Stay healthy. My name is Jimmy Tingle, and I approve this message. My guest today is Tammy Govea. She's a state rep representing the 4th Middlesex District of Massachusetts, the towns of Concord, Carlisle, Acton, and Chelmsford. She's now running for Lieutenant Governor. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show the one and only Tammy Govea. Hello, Tammy. How are you? Hi, Jimmy. I'm so glad to be here with you today. Great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us. Of course. So, Tammy, the reason we're doing this show is to give the people of Massachusetts or my followers and my listeners some information about people who are running for office in Massachusetts. And we're trying to give the candidates a platform so they can introduce themselves to potential voters here in the state. So, Tammy, please give us a little background about yourself. Yeah. And again, thank you so much for providing this platform for us and for all the candidates that are running uh, statewide. It's truly an honor to be here uh, with you and to see you again, Jimmy. Uh, So really briefly, I grew up in the city of Lowell, and I was so lucky because my grandfather was in the Carpenters Union, and that put my family on solid economic footing. That definitely wasn't the case uh, for so many of my neighbors and friends and classmates. And I know that's not the case for so many folks all across the Commonwealth who have really uh, suffered the indignities of intergenerational poverty and an eroding social safety net and structural racism. And so I knew from a very young age that I wanted to be of service to give back to my community. So I've been a social worker for 25 years. Along the way, I became a single mom to my kids who are now 20 and 17 years old. And I have really, uh, as a state representative for the 14th Middlesex, have drawn on my experiences as a social worker as a person in public health and also as a single parent. Um, In the midst of the pandemic, I I finished my doctorate in public health, so have really been drawing on that experience to address climate crisis, to address our transportation system, uh, to address housing and mental health and substance use disorder. And so I'm running for lieutenant governor because I believe there's tremendous opportunity for someone like me to be a different type of lieutenant governor, really leveraging my personal and professional background to put the health and the well-being and the dignity of every single resident uh, in our Commonwealth at the heart of the ways that we are making decisions so that we can make those critical investments to support our working families and residents across the state. And so as a state rep, you've been obviously uh, in the trenches representing the towns of Concord, Carlisle, Acton, and Chelmsford. Tell me some of the challenges that you've had as a state rep there and how that would lend itself to the role of lieutenant governor. Yeah, I mean, so I I served one year, and then in my second year of service, uh, the global pandemic hit. So really, that was the big highlight, big challenge. Um, And also addressing Uh, racial injustice, you know, the police reform bill that we took up and addressing issues around 
uh, the climate crisis. So I would say my tenure in the legislature has really been uh, defined in many ways by some of these really big, uh, complex structural issues around the climate crisis. So I got legislation passed uh, to address buildings as a source of greenhouse gas emissions and also passed legislation to move towards making the investments in our transportation system to make it uh, greener and cleaner and more accessible and more affordable to our working folks and to our students um, and to our employers all across the state. Uh, when it comes to you know police reform and racial justice, we've uh, we passed that really important uh, first step, uh, the police reform bill. There's a lot more that needs to be done to address uh, systemic and, and institutional racism in our state. And as lieutenant governor, that is something that I can pick up the baton around. Uh, you know, sitting on the governor's council, which. Folks may not realize, but, uh, you know, the, the governor's council is an important function and or plays an important function in our state. It's uh, the body that makes the final determination for the folks who get appointed to our uh, to the bench and who get appointed to the parole board. So as lieutenant governor, I'll, I'll leverage my background as a social worker uh, to really look at making those appointments of, of folks who understand childhood trauma and the role that it plays in the criminal legal system, uh, taking a look at structural and, and uh, implicit and structural racism and implicit bias and intergenerational poverty. Again, those also contribute to folks getting involved in the criminal legal system. And I firmly believe that, you know, folks, if we're serious about addressing racial injustice in our state and the over-incarceration of Black and Brown folks and immigrant folks in our Commonwealth, then we have to move forward uh, and pull out all the stops around uh, racial justice and opportunities to address uh, the, the pitfalls of our criminal legal system. Um, so those are some of the things that you know, I've, I've taken a look at as a state representative, as a social worker throughout my career, and things that I'll bring uh, to the corner office and really to serve as a different type of lieutenant governor than what we've seen of, um, of late. Well, Tammy, how do you think that the state, generally speaking, how do you think we responded to the uh, pandemic in, in Massachusetts? Yeah, so I would say that the people of the Commonwealth really stepped up. I know of so many mutual aid groups that began and, you know, millions and millions of, of pounds of food and other resources that were distributed through uh, volunteer organizations and people just stepping up. And then, of course, you know, People uh, in our Commonwealth really stepping into, uh, you know, accessing the vaccine and the boosters and taking the precautions and taking uh, the mask mandates and the other recommendations of the CDC and of public health experts really seriously. But when it comes to state leadership, particularly out of the current administration, I think uh, there are a lot of systemic failures and we really suffered the consequences of a privatized response to a public health crisis, you know, forcing folks to scramble to get access to a vaccine, not providing adequate and timely and culturally uh, appropriate uh, information to folks, and also forcing folks to scramble to, you know, head to their local uh, pharmacy to get access to rapid tests. That's why I filed legislation, uh, you know, well over a year ago, started working on rapid testing legislation in 2020, um, because I saw that that would be a way for us to 
move forward, uh, have some semblance of norm- normalcy and uh, reopening our schools and our economy, but doing so that in a way that is safe. Uh, so the legislation I filed would called on su- supplying free rapid tests to folks throughout the Commonwealth so people didn't have to shell out $20, $30 and scramble uh, to go to you know, local pharmacies to only find that the store shelves were empty. So there's so much more we could have and should have been doing as as a state uh, that is as rich in resources and that has the you know wealth of knowledge here and all of our institutions of higher learning and the experts that we have here in our healthcare system and in our public health system. So uh, you know that's why one of the big reasons why I got into this race is because of uh, the failed response uh, to uh, the public health crisis. And really, I believe we need a big focus on health and well-being and dignity in our decision-making out of the corner office. Mm-hmm. Tammy, you, I think, were, I think may have been the first person to declare your candidacy for lieutenant governor when the current governor, Governor Baker, was still undecided about whether or not he would run. And that was a uh, courageous choice because nobody else was in the race. I know your background is in public health. And what is the difference between public health? How do you define that compared to healthcare? Because people often think it's the same thing. Oh, I love this question. Thank you for asking. And yes, I, I was the first to uh, get in this race. I declared in June of uh, 2021. So really have been crisscrossing the state for over a year and really uh, learning and hearing uh, the issues that folks are facing in our Commonwealth. And that really leads right into the second question that you asked, <clears throat> excuse me, around what's the difference between healthcare and public health? And really, public health is looking at the population as a whole. Um, public health experts and officials are trained in identifying the root causes of what's driving the problems that we're facing. Um, I firmly believe that every single policy that we pass and every program that is implemented that comes out of state government and local government impacts our health and our well-being, whether you're talking about jobs or you're talking about transportation or climate change uh, or education, they all have an effect on our public, on our health. And so as Lieutenant Governor, I'll be able to draw on my expertise uh, as a doctor of public health to get at the root causes. And then I can leverage my background as a social worker to bring together people with diverse perspectives, with lived experience, so that when we're making decisions about where to uh, spend our dollars and make investments, that we are hitting at uh, what's really driving the problems that we see. You know, one of the big issues, of course, is the housing crisis. And a lot of folks in this race are really focused on building more housing. But I contend that we cannot build our way out of the housing crisis. There's a lot of other factors that are contributing to the high, the rising costs of rental property and and as well as you know homes for purchase that are locking young families out of being able to buy a home that are keeping seniors uh you know locked into houses that when they want to downsize um and that's really impacting um you know students and young professionals who are you know scrambling to find a place where they can rent a lot of that's driven not just by the lack of supply, but also some of the other measures that we have in place where a lot of housing is being bought as investment property, sometimes by people who not only don't live in the state, but don't even necessarily live in the country. 
And that's really having also a ripple effect on on the housing crisis. There's a lot of other dynamics and factors that are at play. And as an expert in public health, I can get to those root causes, bring people together, uh, and really start to look at the issues that are driving that, that are driving climate crisis, that's driving our mental health care crisis, and that's also driving our child care crisis. Um, we need to make investments in people in our state in order to get things back on track. And if we don't make those investments in our people, like mental health and child care, um, then we risk losing a whole generation of folks uh, because we won't really be able to get and keep things back on track the way that uh, we have been able to in the past and in the Commonwealth. And tell me, uh, there was a couple of bills recently passed at the uh, state house. The governor vetoed one of them, but it was overridden. Uh, the driver license bill yeah. for undocumented. What is the technical name of that? Uh, the Worker and Family Mobility Act. Okay. Yeah, really it allows people like, who are not technically citizens to obtain driver's license. How did you vote on that and why? Yeah, I've been a, a strong advocate of the Family and Mobility uh, Act. It's uh, something that's really important. You know, uh, immigrants, uh, both documented and undocumented, contribute billions to our state's economy. Uh, they're the folks who are working in our nursing homes and our in our homes that are serving folks with disabilities. Uh, they're, you know, taking their kids to work, to school. They're driving themselves to work, uh, going to doctor's appointments and recreational activities. Uh, so this this bill, this act that the governor did uh, veto, we did. I did vote to override the veto. Um, will make sure that every license, every driver in our state is. Uh, trained, is licensed, and also is insured in our state. So that's why I supported passing uh, the Worker Family uh, Mobility Act. And tell me about the Fair Share Amendment. Where do you stand on that? Also known as the Millionaire's Tax. Yeah, absolutely. Fully support the Fair Share Amendment. Even before um, I was elected into office, I was out there uh, canvassing and collecting uh, signatures to get the question on on the ballot a number of years ago. was really proud in both uh, conventions uh, in the legislature to vote uh, to support the fair share. And it's simply because, you know, we have um, some folks in our state who are not only millionaires, but we have 24 billionaires who earned $26 billion over the last two years. But we want to make the investments that are critical to keeping our economy on track, keeping people being able to get to work and get to school and get to their doctor's appointments. So uh, that's why I support the Fair Share Amendment uh, and look forward to continuing to advocate for it, uh, for its passage at the ballot box this November. Tammy, on a personal note, did you recently get married or get engaged? I got engaged uh, last yes. year. Yeah, thanks right, for asking. Right. Yeah. And we we talked once off off camera and we were just talking about your your fiance is a police officer. Is that correct? That's correct. He is. And we were talking about a little bit about, you know, the challenges of being a police officer in this climate. Briefly, just comment on that if you could. Yeah. I mean, it, it is, it is a tough job. Um, you know, when, when you talk to folks all across the Commonwealth, um, including, you know, our, our families of color and residents of color, uh, a lot of them are not pushing for uh, defund the police. What they are really calling for is um, for there to be an understanding that uh, communities of color are over-policed, um, that our communities of color, families of color, residents of color are over-incarcerated. Um, and that speaks to the things that I talked about uh, at the top of this uh, segment, you know, really a, a need to 
have a greater understanding of the role that systemic racism and implicit bias play uh, in the criminal legal system. And, you know, we have to have a larger conversation about, um, you know, folks who, who call the police um, for, you know, someone just walking down the street and picking up trash um, and they get the police called on them because they're a, a Latin person and they look like they don't necessarily belong in their community. So we have to have this larger conversation about everybody has the right to belong in our state. Everyone has the right to belong in their communities. Um, whether they're low income or they're a person of color. Um, and there are people who are unfortunately having the police called on them on a very regular basis um, by, you know, white and middle and upper class folks. And it's uh, it's not fair. You know, my fiance just said to me the other day that, you know, it's not a crime to be poor. It's not a crime to be a person of color. Um, and people are calling the police on folks every single day. And he sees it and it puts our police in, in harm's way. It puts our police in a position uh, where they're having to respond to things that no one is committing any sort of crime. And, and like I already said, you know, people have the right to belong uh, in our communities and to, to feel like they belong and to know that they belong. Well, Tammy, thank you for joining us today. And please give us a, a one minute closing statement. And don't forget to mention where people can go to make a donation or yeah. to volunteer or to get involved or to learn more about your campaign, please. Well, thank you again, Jimmy, to you. And thanks, folks, for listening here. I'm Tammy Govea running for lieutenant governor. And I'm running to be a different type of lieutenant governor than what we've seen uh, recently. You know, really, I can get in there from day one, roll up my sleeves, start to address the issues that we're facing with the mental health crisis, address the issues that we're facing with the child care crisis and with the housing crisis. I have a track record of passing legislation to address these issues as well as uh, the climate climate crisis that is already upon us, and making sure that we are putting racial and economic justice uh, at the heart of decision making and at the heart of the ways that we are solving our state's most complex problems. So do hope to earn your support in this. You can find out more at TammyGovea.com, T-A-M-I-G-O-U-V-E-I-A.com. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Tammy. September 6th is the primary. It's very important. Tammy, thanks a million for joining us today. I will see you on the campaign trail. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Jimmy. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you for joining us today. This has been a Humor for Humanity production. Our mission is your mission. Humor for Humanity at JimmyTingle.com. Thank you.